Hello! Welcome to Circuit and Gear, a podcast where we discuss scenic automation and other interesting tech. I'm Gareth Connor. And I'm Royal Marty. Today we're going to kick off our first podcast with a discussion of PLCs, watch out software, and the next version of our push stick winch. So starting the conversation off, PLCs. I should give a little background. Here at Creative Connors, we don't use PLCs very much. Uh, PLCs, for those folks who don't know, are programmable logic controllers. And they're basically, I would call them like an industrial hardened computer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, specifically designed for taking in inputs and sending out outputs. Right. Like a computer relay. Yeah. That's a great way of saying it. Like a computerized relay switch. So we don't use them a ton here at Creative Connors, um, which is a little unusual in the automation world. We tend to build most of our stuff, both our stagehand controllers and our showstoppers. We build them with embedded microprocessors. We develop the firmware for them and then design circuit boards around those microprocessors. So rather than taking a pre-built PLC and programming it, um, we instead start at the chip level and program that. We don't use a lot of PLCs. I don't love programming PLCs in ladder logic, which is a weird uh, graphical programming language, which looks like you're drawing the program as a relay circuit diagram. But you can also program them in, what are some other things, Royal? Uh, structure text, uh, functional blocks. Right, and there's a, I think there's like five languages total. I'm, I don't even know them all but uh structured text is a big one like you said and ladder logic is a a very common one right i tend to like to program in more expressive languages like c c plus plus visual basic python uh and so i find anyway i don't like plcs for that reason um but but that doesn't mean that we never use them right? right in the past we have used them uh we use them for you know like custom jobs um we actually use them in one of our pro- products called the Deck Chief. Oh, right. Because the Deck Chief is like our simple controller. It's not computerized. You can't queue it. Right. We're just taking logic off of limit switches. So we're just seeing if, if we've struck a limit switch, and if we struck that limit switch, then stop. Right. So that's a kind of a perfect application for a PLC where you're basically just replacing what could be done with a bunch of relay switches. Bingo. Right. Yeah. Right. But you're programming that logic, and you're making it, you know, adjustable over time if you if you want to change the behavior right and in, in the deck chief we actually use uh what's called the click plc which is distributed by automation direct which is a very low level plc but it's a plc that we like because a is it's cheap and affordable and easy to get from automation direct but then also the software the programming software is it's, very very smooth very easy yeah. to use very simple right super friendly right, right. easy to get started right and then, you know, a lot of times we forget too, but we use the PLC on the, our VFDs. Oh, our yeah. Variable frequency drives uh, for the Stagehand Pro. Right. We don't use it there for like queuing and positioning, but we use it there for uh, brake switching logic. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, so we don't use it much, like I said, but when we do use it, it's usually for custom jobs. One of the bigger custom jobs we've done with the PLC is the international tour of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, the levitation effect, right? Yeah. Where the beast gets transformed back into 
a man into the prince at the end of the show. Right. And we had to do a PLC on that instead of like Spike Mark because it had to be powered up, had to be, uh, I mean, quickly powered up. And right. as soon as they powered it, they had to be able to run it. Yep. Um, so, And they wanted to have the operator, they wanted to have it, they specifically wanted to have it off of the rest of the automation exactly. system and have right. a dedicated operator who's kind of like the, the beast's buddy in as an automation tech standing very nearby, keeping an eye on the beast and letting, you know, aborting the effect if there's any trouble. Something has gone wrong, right? Yeah. And, you know, that job's had its ups and downs for us on the PLC front. Um, I thought it all went really smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> I went over to Turkey and uh, helped them tech it and helped them set it up and everything. And uh, there was one there was one little bit in Right. In it was like something that, that had to be adjusted. Right. And we couldn't... Like we couldn't figure it out. We could. I couldn't figure out what was going wrong. Yeah, we and, spent hours on the phone on yeah, or on Skype, Skype really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Adjusting ladder logic remotely and working through the the logical flow of a right, program together. And, and, yeah, and, and it was after that when I came back and I was like, look, we got, we can't do this again. <laughs> yeah, never again are we using a PLC. Yeah, and that, and I think that's kind of the crux of what I hate about them is that it's. You know, even once you get over the hurdle of programming them, right? Um, coming back and reprogramming them, or reading your ladder logic later, and trying to make sense of what was my intent, right? What was I trying to do logically, here? right? And like that was a big, that was a fairly big file, you know, right? Fairly complex code that had to happen, so there was a lot of code in there. And I remember just trying to sift through all of the ladder logic and trying to find what instances were were we're talking about and we're trying to solve was right. just a pain you know with ladder logic as opposed to if it was just plain text it would have been easier to read and you would have been been able to see more data on the screen at right. once and yeah absolutely you can fit a lot of text on one single screen and right when you're drawing ladder logic diagrams you can't see nearly as much of the logic of the program at one time right and connect tends the to, dots in your yeah, head tends yeah. to grow quickly yeah that's a good point yeah so so anyway so we swarm off. We're never right. using them again. We're never again. using them again. And uh, Gareth just decided to use his own. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that project that you just that you're working on. Yeah. So uh, after all that, and after being the self-proclaimed guy who hates PLCs, uh, we have a job for ESPN in one of their TV studios. Uh, they've got a bunch of roller screens that are going to roll back, roll down backdrops um, behind the presenters. And there's um, 15 rollers. They're grouped into five banks of three. So from like stage left or I guess camera left to camera right, you've got five banks and then each bank has a close, mid, far roller that can roll down. Uh, and before, you know, as part of the setup and maintenance, they wanted to have an easy to use control system where they could just run the things up and down. There's no position feedback. Right. They're not no writing, encoders. No encoders. They're not writing cues. They just want like a maintenance um, control system so that you know before they start shooting, somebody can go punch in on a little touchscreen on a move banks one, three, and five. The B roller take it up. Right. And they just hit the button. And these rollers, they're made by daylight. The same guys that make like projection screens. Right. They've got little limit switches built into them. Super simple um, control box. Really just a bunch of relays. And the only reason to make it even programmable is just so that we can have a user interface. Yep. And 
so that we can um, maybe tweak that logic later on. Because what they think they want now might change a okay. year down the road, three okay. months down the road. Right. Okay. Maybe they want to make it a little bit different for the operator after I they've see. used it for a little while. I see. And we don't want to have to go back in there and rewire the cabinet to right. change the behavior. We'd rather just be able to tweak some ladder logic. So, so we have that job. Seemed like a perfect application for a PLC, even though I don't love PLCs. Right. <laughs> and I thought also it might be a nice opportunity to try out uh, some of the Schneider gear. Yep. Schneider Electric, we've been doing a lot more business with those guys recently. They've got a, a lot of really great products. Um, we've been using them primarily just on the electrical side. Yes. Push so, buttons, right. relays. Relays, contactors. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Real nice stuff. Um, and so they were they were very happy to hear that we might be interested in the PLCs. And, you know, I haven't seen PLCs, haven't really, really researched PLCs um, in a serious manner uh, for years. And, you know, PLCs have grown quite a bit. Yeah, right, right. Because now all of the features in, in the PLCs include, like, high-speed counters. Yep. Which in the past have always been a problem. Like an add-on module. Yeah. It used to be an add-on module. Now it's included. Right, so if you wanted to use an encoder, you'd have to get the high-speed counter. Yeah. That would cost you more. And mm -hmm. then just layer on. Yeah. And same thing with, like, PID loops. If you wanted to have an encoder and do some simple motion control asking for a PID loop in a PLC either meant uh, another add-on module or just like a big step up in the CPU price right. of the PLC. And, right. And these days, like uh, we're using the Schneider Modicon 221 okay. and it has all that stuff built in. Gotcha. And it's like a roughly $200. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a pretty good deal. That's a pretty good deal for right. all those kind of features. Right, you know, right. It's got like eight inputs, eight outputs, a couple of analog channels, uh, ethernet on yeah. board. Okay. Yeah. And then what about the HMI? Did you get an HMI from Schneider or you... Yeah, so I, I figured what the heck, right? I mean, obviously you could use somebody else's HMI, but let's go ahead and just keep it all in the same family. Right. Um, so we got the uh, the HMI STU855. It's a catchy name. Um, it's a five-inch touchscreen HMI. It's programmed through the Schneider software, um, and that's what we built the little user interface um, which it basically just has like a little switch panel for the five banks of roll screens. Right. Which set of rollers, A, B, C, and then an up-down switch. And okay. then like a lockout screen. Um, gotcha. And that's it. Gotcha. So, yeah. So, you know, the big, our big complaint that we were just complaining about with PLCs was the software. Mm -hmm. So what did you think of the software? What, you know, did you... Did you like it? Did you not like it? What what yeah. was the software called? You know, tell yeah. us a little bit. Tell me a little bit about the software. Yeah. So the software. So Schneider's software is called Sew Machine. S O Machine, not like sewing machine, but like <laughs> so you want a machine, more like that. Um, so Sew Machine uh, comes in basic and full, and the basic version is free, kind of like the Click software for okay. the Click PLCs, and then Sew Machine full is. Uh, I think it retails for like fourteen hundred bucks. Wow! Yeah, so it's a little bit of a step yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like free, or did you bring or, all your money yeah, with you? Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, oddly enough, I found the Sew Machine Basic software to be really nice. It's very clean. It looks modern, uh, easy to get around in, easy to program. Um, yeah, I think you showed me a little bit about a little bit of the basics. Yeah, and it and looked nice. The basics nice. seem very nice. Yeah, it's the... very logical. Right. Right. So uh, that was nice, um, and that's what you have to use to program the Modicon two two one PLC. Um, 
Oddly enough, you can't use their high-end software to program their low-end PLC. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> which is a, the first hurdle to get over. Like, after right. we got the, the fancy big software, we couldn't actually use it to program the little PLC. The little guy. Gotcha. However, the HMI has to be programmed in the big software. <laughs> <laughs> so you have right. to flip back and forth between the free so you version. Need both. <laughs> you need both. You got to have both. You got to have both. And uh, at times you have to have both open and flip back and forth. Yeah. You know? Um, so the full version I thought was a lot clunkier. Uh, it looks more like what I remember PLC software looking like. It's got just rows and rows of like toolbar icons and that's how you program the thing okay know? so like doing the tutorials a lot of go find the icon that looks like a light bulb but not that light bulb the one that looks like a green right. light bulb yeah yeah, yeah. it yeah. seems like man that would be just so rows and rows of icons rows of icons like, it would be so <laughs> much easier if this was just a text file where yeah. i could describe what i want to type do. what you wanted yeah <laughs> um but I, it certainly does the job um i would say that you know Overall, I still, even with the slicker software, even with the slicker free software, I still find the whole process more cumbersome than just programming a ROM microcontroller right. in like a regular C editor with a compiler. Right. Um, I just, I find the experience frustrating personally. Yep. So. Okay. Interesting. So then one of the big problems that, that I've experienced with PLCs and HMIs when you bring the two together is always getting the two to talk right yeah sure that can sometimes be tricky right right so would you use so a a how'd it go did you were you able to get the two to to talk easily yeah and then what communication protocol did you use yeah so uh actually that part was mostly seamless the only issue i ran into is um originally i was planning to use modbus over uh rs485 link um so modbus over serial um, and for some reason that I still don't really understand, uh, the HMI insisted that it's one COM port, which was clearly empty, was yeah. gonna, was in use by something else, and I couldn't use it for the Modbus link. I see. Okay. Yeah. Still, I'm sure there's a solution in there, and uh, I've got to call into the Schneider guys to hopefully figure that out. But anyway, that didn't work out. So, yeah. But luckily, both the HMI and the PLC have an Ethernet port, so I decided to just use Modbus TCP. So. Gotcha. Use Modbus, but use uh, Ethernet as the transport mechanism. Yep, and that works smoothly for you. And that works sweet. That oh, was like, great. just plug it in, everything found itself, no problems. That's great. Yeah. And, you know, there's an advantage of using a PLC over rolling your own micro. Right, because then you, you didn't have to write drivers right. or anything like that for an LCD screen. Yep. You don't have to worry about the refresh rate. Yep, right. And you don't have to design your own protocol. Right. Like, if we were going to be, a, you know... Right. You know, like our showstopper, it you know is has a little embedded microcontroller in it, and it has to talk over the network back to say SpikeMark, and we've got to work out both ends of that protocol. What how the micro inside of the showstopper works, how it sends its data, and then how SpikeMark receives the data, right. and how SpikeMark sends its data out, and with the with Modbus, everything that's on your PLC just kind of magically appears on your HMI. Yep, and that makes it super easy. Oh, okay. So, that's great that's great so what were your takeaways so far i mean you're you're not you're not done with the project yet right uh but but you're 
Done Fair. with the PLC. Yeah, part. done with the PLC end of it. Yep. You know, we still have some wiring to wrap up on it, but uh, the PLC stuff's worked out. I mean, pretty much, I think we're just gonna throw out all everything we've done for the <laughs> right. last ten years and yeah. start over yeah, with PLCs. What, I, was right? ho- I was hoping you said that because right. I've already thrown it all out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've already deleted all the source files, so <laughs> right. we're gonna right. be starting over and tomorrow. I call with Schneider. The... <laughs> <laughs> Bring it in, boys. Uh, no, so you know, I still, uh, I still think it's. PLCs are good in their niche, but I wouldn't trade them for what we have as our platform. Yeah, um, I think it's much more enjoyable to deal with the raw microcontrollers. It's just more flexible um, and more expressive, and easier to come back and edit later. It's, right, you know, it's easier to make those things um, so that you can read them <laughs> right. again. Uh, but great for custom jobs and for fast jobs. I mean. It probably took me two and a half days to kind of figure out sew machine how to <laughs> which buttons to click, <laughs> but then once I figured that out, it took like three hours to do all the programming. To do the programming, yeah, That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you know, assuming like next time I wouldn't have to figure it all out again, right? But that's uh, in like two years. Yes, I'd probably have to figure it all out again. <laughs> but um, but then it, you know, the the actual getting it done was super easy, and you don't have to worry about the electrical end. You yeah. know, like anytime you're starting to design a raw circuit board, you know, from the microcontroller up, I mean, it's, those yeah, are complicated gotta... things and you can easily screw them up. Not that I've ever screwed up a circuit board, <laughs> right. but I hear tell Never. that some, sometimes <laughs> people can do that. Um, and then lastly, I'd say that, you know, the Schneider stuff is great, but I'd still say the click PLCs from Automation Direct are really a great value. Yeah, I mean, they're, it sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're cheap and the software is great and they're easy to order. Yeah. You know? Right. And especially in our business, right? That's a big deal. It's a big deal. You, you can just order something at 5 o'clock at night and get it the next day. Yeah, exactly. And there's no right. doing that with these things. I mean, yes, you could. There are, like, Allied Newark sells them. But if you do that, you're going to be paying two, three times the amount that you're going to pay the, through your distributor, exactly. through your local electrical distributor. So right. I right. wouldn't recommend it, you know. So, uh, but I guess on the other hand, you know, like, for instance, the while the click is still a great value... Um, yeah, like these Schneider PLCs do have Ethernet ports for Modbus TCP, right. um, which is nice. Which is, a yeah. few more bells and whistles. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's that's about where it's at. I, I guess my view hasn't changed all that much. <laughs> <laughs> so I should call Schneider and tell him we don't want them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, turn the truck around. So. All right. So next on our list, we were going to talk a little bit about uh, about Watch Out. What is Watch Out, Ro? So. Watch Out is a uh, piece of software that everybody uses to control video and and still images with projection. Gotcha. Uh, so you know theaters use it to project videos and images onto their set. And in the industrial, in the like convention center, like corporate um, events, yeah, corporate sort of events thing. and stuff like that, they use it to for videos of like new products, and they project those all all onto the the scenery yeah. and the white walls and. And there's some crazy cool effects these days with projection. It yeah, seems like the new hotness, cool. right? right? Like everybody's doing projection. And, right. And it seems like even more new hotness, even newer, newer hotness is uh, to integrate projection with automation. So exactly. that you can have stuff moving on stage and have the video mapped to the moving objects, right? Right, right, right. So talk about how how SpikeMark has... As, How we got into yeah. this, right? Yeah, so uh, it really started for us back in 2012, um, La Jolla Playhouse out in California. Mm-hmm. They were doing a big show, and um, they needed to integrate Watch Out 
with the automation. Right. And their original plan was um, to put another set of encoders on every moving piece that could feed that data back into WatchOut directly. Yeah. And in talking to the TD, Chris Borison out there, uh, he, he said, and very wisely said, this seems kind of silly to me. Can't we figure out some way to get the information out of the automation computer over to the projection computer? And that would save me from buying like a dozen encoders. Absolutely. And all the time? Yeah, all the time. And then, you know, every time you move, add in one more device, right? You have another possible point of failure and all that. So right. it made a lot of sense. And uh, I thought that's a great idea. You know, the information's already here. We just need to get it out over the network. Yep. And shoot it over to watch out watch out's already on the network so there's got to be a way there's got to be a way right okay. yeah so we uh so that's what we do so we send udp information over the network uh to watch out and what we're sending it uh in spike mark if you've got a, a show full of motors and you're moving stuff all over the place you can open up our little watch out window and you can check off which of these things do you want to send their position information right. to watch out okay and as soon as you do that then what happens is like um at, at whatever interval you decide uh maybe 30 milliseconds 30 millisecond intervals we're going to send out hey this is where the motor is this is yeah. where the motor is this is where the motor is and then watch out can pick that information up it puts it through its little rube goldberg contraption of figuring out how to map that position data into like pixels right and then it uses that pixel data to move images, skew images, rotate images, whatever you need it to do. Okay, right, right, right. Um, but you know, since 2012, um, honestly, we I don't think we've touched that feature too much. I think there's a little tweak we made for a customer in like 2013 or something right. for the Alliance, but yep. that's, that's it. Yeah, that's been it. So, um, you know, people are only doing it more and more, right? Right. Right. I mean, we hear about it more and more and more, and we hear about new new pieces of software that people want to use. Right. Know, when we back in 2012, it was always watch out. Yeah. Now we're hearing about other pieces of software. We're hearing about D3, Isadora, and all of those you know all those types of software. Right. And we still are very interested in doing more with projection, um, and integrating SpikeMark as a as a good citizen into the theater network. Right. So that, I mean, because the effects these the these people are creating are awesome yeah they're so cool yeah i mean some of the stuff we see people do is really fantastic um and we want to you know make sure that we're making the tools work well for those folks um so with that in mind we thought now would be a great time um to to kind of crack open the feature again and see what we can do to make it even better um the first hurdle of course was Hey, we got to get a copy of WatchOut. We got to get some software. <laughs> some software. It may be a surprise to folks out there, but we don't actually own WatchOut um, software. But so ShowSage uh, here in the U.S., the distributor for Dataton, yeah. they were they were just great. They they were super awesome. Loaned us a couple of license keys. Yep. Um, FedEx them. FedEx them to us, right? Yeah. Uh, so that we could start testing the software, and that kind of ha- was a nice coincidence. Yeah, because we had some customers that that are interested in meshing their projection right ideas with our with our automation yeah like they're mostly projection guys but know that they want to get into automation yeah and they're just up in boston yeah and they wanted to come by and and see what we've got yeah so, so that's pretty sweet yeah so we we're able to use the watch out system that that uh show sages sent us right and, and we set that up in our shop right 
did a, a, a quick little, uh, like a, a just a vertical panel that we could fly in and out and then set up our projector. Yeah, to... I put Gareth's headshot. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you folks, I got a face for radio, so that was fantastic. Um... It really won the customers over. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so my headshot was flying up and down in the shop and then the... <clears throat> it was all tracking through Spike Mark and Watch Out. Um, Watch Out 6, I guess, is going to be released soon, and they've got a few new features. The one we're keeping an eye on the most is that uh, they've got a new network command that we that we might find useful for ganging multiple um, sets of motor information into one message, which should make the network communication even faster. Right, right. But that recent shop, shop setup, we um, we we hit a, a couple of bumps in the road. Yeah, it was um, eye opening. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, like, what was the first challenge that we had there, Royal? I mean, the first challenge was a we're not project- projection guys at all. I mean, we not at all. We have no idea, really, what what's going on in there. Right. Um. So, so we had to set we had to set watch out up. Yeah. Yeah. We had to set watch out up, and that took a long time. <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, the last time I had set it up was probably last spring or yeah, something. Last spring or so. Yeah. And um, so I don't remember that really much at all. And we use Windows eight here at yeah. Creative Connor. So well, that's not entirely true. We use a little bit of Windows ten. Yeah, a little bit of Windows ten. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, but we I installed Watch Out on all of the computers with Windows eight. Yep. And thought that that was going fine and. And we got it all hooked up and ready to start talking, and it wouldn't talk. Yeah, over the network, nothing was happening. Yeah. And anyone who's not familiar with how Watch Out works, you have like one master computer that's like the production computer, and then it talks to uh, the every projector has to have an attached computer running the Watch Out display software. Right. And so everything is running over the network. Right. And we were sitting there scratching our heads for a while. Yeah. As to like why we couldn't get this to work. And uh, and then we realized that one of the computers needed Windows Seven, right? And then we got that going. We got that. <laughs> yeah, like the display work. computer we had on Windows Seven. We're like, yeah, that seems to be working better. Yeah. And then we're like, wait a second. <laughs> I bet everything. Everything's got to be on Windows Seven. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as we got it on Windows Seven, uh, it you know we were Sprang able to, to life. Yep. We were able to project just as we had anticipated. Yep. Um, you know, but. Once we got it all hooked up, it ran well. Uh, we had a little problems with the image being jittery as the piece was moving. Yeah, um, which we've never, we, which we never really were able to nail down as to what was going on. Uh, you know, it could be, it could be a new a number of problems, right? I mean, right, might be the resolution of the the projector we were using. Yep, it could be a problem with the what, some of the computers we were using. Right, um, but I think that. That's probably our first area of attack, you know, right. is making sure we're doing, making sure that we understand why that image is a little jittery. Because it's, it, as it's tracking across, or in our case, tracking up and down, it's like it was jumping like in like little half inch increments. Yeah. You know, you stood back far enough and it looked okay, but in up close, it was noticeable. And uh, I don't know, you just want to make sure that uh, we're doing everything we can to make that right. You're right, right, right. Um, and so that's the jitteriness of the image is, is where we need to tackle next. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, I think that's the that's the, my prime concern as yeah. we go forward is get that yeah. worked out. And then we've got a couple other little features that I know that people have asked about, like they want to have people have independently set um, refresh rates yep. um, for each motor. So like maybe one motor needs more rapid updates of position sent to watch out than another, and they right. want that ability to tweak those values. Um, so we're going to do some, some testing and see what's what, see how we can make that all right. even better. So we need to figure out, you know, what's what's going on with the network. Yep. Are we getting bottlenecks bottlenecks on the network, or is that a problem with, you know, where's that problem coming from? Right. And then after that, you know, I think we want to look into other pieces of software, right? I mean, yeah, I think that's in- right. Because I, I think as great as it is to work with Watchout, and we love the software, I love the guys that support the software. You know, we keep hearing about D3, Isadora, QLab. Right. A lot of our customers, especially the schools and stuff, are using QLab. QLab, and then a lot of the uh, the commercial guys, you know, yep. the events are using D3. D3, Pandora as well. Right. Um, so, yeah, we'd love to get get this working well with all those guys because um, we certainly want to. We want to be part of that party. We want to be part of that party. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't leave us behind. Right. Wait, fellas, we're coming. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Sweet. Um, well, next up on the list, uh, we I wanted to spend a few minutes uh, chatting with you about the the next version of our push stick. Yeah. Um, the push stick's been around for like 10 years, you told me. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I realized that it's the oldest product we have. The oldest product that has not been changed. I mean, obviously, like the Stagehand has been around, but yeah. Stagehand has been through numerous, many, numerous iterations. Many iterations. iterations but, the, but the push stick is. It's their same old deck winch, yeah, right? Yeah. Same deck winch as uh, back in 2004. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. So, so, so tell me, what do you. I, you're going to be spearheading the effort to to revamp that. What do you think's up? Uh, what are the big features you want to hit? What we see as problems with the current push stick is mainly the weight. It's uh, too light. <laughs> yeah, is that right, what you're telling right. me? It blows away. <laughs> <laughs> we just can't keep the things right. on the floor. No, it's they're very heavy. They're uh, just over 500 pounds. Right. Um, so we get that a lot that they are too heavy. Yeah, um, and and we think they're too heavy as well. So we yeah, want... we have to lift them here too. <laughs> right? yeah. So we want to get that weight down. Yep. Um, you know the size of them are, are is a little is a little much. Yeah. We'd love to get the footprint down, and uh... you can't like tuck it in under a deck. You right. Can't, yeah. Right. right. It's a so big machine. Yeah, they're a little hard to to hide, and then um, you know just on our end, they're a little bit of a pain to manufacture. Um, you know, we've kind of moved to everything being aluminum with cut plates where the frames bolt together with yep. uh with like the threaded rod and stuff like that right because we'll often make a machine that's got like like our spot line it's right got two side plates and then like pipe standoffs to yep. hold the those plates apart and then tie rods that shoot through it and, right. and you tighten up those tie rods and it makes the frame rigid but it's all bolt together it's all bolt together so yeah. you don't do that till you go to do the assembly of the machine right and so when it's when we just have raw parts sitting around they might take up they we can lay them flat on a shelf right. stacked up and it might take up like five six inches of vertical height for a bunch of, winches. Tons of machines as yeah. opposed to the push sticks where we got to carve out a corner of the shop when we go to make you know five right. or ten of them right because once they get welded up into these big cubes <laughs> there's nothing right? there's nothing to do with them nothing to do with yeah them. you can hide in them make a tree house or something right yeah <laughs> and then um and then the drum you know the drum is 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 a big drum is 12 inches yeah uh, 
in diameter and it's steel right um so and like thick right it's yeah. like three eighths inch wall yeah, yeah exactly so the drum is very heavy and then it's also very hard to manufacture that as well right um so we want to we want to improve the manufacturing yep of the push stick and then it would be nice if we can increase the line speed a little bit um, yeah because it can be a little snow, slow it can be right a little slow depending right. on the on the application but i because i the max natively without over speeding the motor but at 60 hertz maximum yep. speed is 27, 27 yeah 27, 27 inches, inches yes, which is a little bit better than right. two feet per second and we'd love to get that closer to three feet per second right so um so that's that's what we see is the um downfalls of the current push stick right that yeah. makes sense right. so you want to get it lighter yep and you're going to do that by with aluminum. aluminum yep we're going to go to aluminum we're going to make the frame uh very similar to how you said with the spot line yep and the curtain call um so it's going to be you know cut plate as the side plates and then um some pipe standoffs with the with the tie rod with the tie rods yep. that makes a lot of sense um and then you know hopefully we make it smaller by just uh how we're going to make it smaller you know, that's a very good question. <laughs> um, I think, you know, we're going to we're gonna try and use some different, we're going to use a different motor. Yep. Um, which is going to, you know, decrease the size of that. We're going to use a, di- a different size drum. Oh, okay. So we'll be shrinking the drum. Yeah, we're going to be shrinking the drum. So we're going to go from a 12-inch drum uh, to an 8-inch drum. Just like the spot line. Our Just spot like line the has spot an eight line. inch. Got yep, it. Yep, yep. So we're going to use the same um, same construction method on, for the drum that we use on the spot line, where it's an aluminum drum and it's weldless. So we make it on the uh, on our little four axis CNC mill. Oh, right. And that's right. a sweet operation because the way it's done right now, you guys have it so that we chuck up a piece of pipe. Yep. And then it, that drum basically doesn't come off the machine until it's done. Until it's done. And there's no welding step, like you mentioned. It's, exactly. it's completely weldless. So right. it gets, everything get, happens to it in, um, on, the on, table. on the table. Yeah. 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 That's nice. Yeah. And then, um, you know, one of the, we've talked about redoing the push stick for years. Yeah. And one of the big things with us is like, what do we do about the drum? Because right. the drum is, is the hardest part of the, pu- of the, of a deck winch yep. usually. Um, and now so, the spotline drum, unfortunately, though, I mean, I'm with you. Like making it smaller sounds good, but the spotline drum only has like 70 feet of take up. Right. And the deck winch, I mean, we were. I was looking at a job the other day that has like 160 feet on the right. on the deck track. Yeah. And so just a couple months ago, when we did the job for Royal Caribbean, right, we had to do a hoist, and it was a it was a line set hoist. All right, like a packaged hoist yeah, with package three lift hoist. lines. Yeah, yep. with three lift lines, and we were like, how are we going to do this long of a drum? Right. And then we realized. That since we're doing it on the CNC mill, right. we can we can control that pitch of the thread to whatever we want. Right, because the the drum has a helical groove, cotton, right. kind of like a bolt. just like a bolt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so we can control that pitch to whatever we want, and then if we make that the drum length, the correct length, then it doesn't matter where these drums go, we'll always pick up the thread. Gotcha. So it's like making like a a long piece of threaded rod in little tiny chunks and Bingo. then sticking it together Stick. like Legos. Yes. That's Bingo. sweet. Cause yeah. it, and that's kind of tricky if you think about it. If you think about <laughs> trying to make like yeah. a bunch of bolts and have them all line up perfectly like that. To where you don't on a notice key it. shaft. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
we were nervous about it. I mean, remember? Yeah. It was like, I mean, it was a tight timeline. We were like, what are we going to do if this doesn't work? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's plan B? Shut up about plan B already. Stop your talking. <laughs> it's going to work. More machining. <laughs> Less yapping, more cutting. Right. Um, yeah. So... So that's what we're gonna do with the with the push. Stick. So we'll do a stackable drum, yeah, we'll and that way we can accommodate any sort of length. Bingo, nice. Bingo. Yep. Um, and then, so tell me a little bit more about this uh, the motor. The motor, yeah. So you know, traditionally we use SEW. Uh, Love or, SEW, and SEW has been very good to us. They Absolutely, have very good products. Yeah. Um, you know, but we always keep our eye open to see what else is out there. Sure. And for a while, at least I've been eye ignored, and I think you have as well. Yeah. And um, Nord has been making some very good products. Right. And they came by and, and talked to us. And they're making an aluminum gearbox. Right. Um, now, SEW has SCW an aluminum SEW makes an aluminum yeah. gearbox. But um, last we saw, SEW was limited on their aluminum gearbox to three horsepower. That's right. It was, yeah. You, we couldn't replace the push stick winch with an SEW right. um, gearbox because the push stick is prim- most of the time, most the vast majority of our push stick winches are five horsepower. Five horsepower. And if anything, and what we're seeing these days is the need for more need horsepower, more. Exactly. not less. Yeah. Right. But so Nord's got, uh, Nord's got an aluminum gearbox okay. that we can, that goes up to, I think like 10 horsepower. Oh, nice. Yeah. So oh, sweet. So, so plenty of headroom. Right. So nice. we're very interested. Well, I'm very interested in checking that out. Yep. Um, you know, that will decrease the weight substantially. Right. Because the motors on the current push sticks are like 115 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if we can get that down, if we can save like 40, 50 pounds there. Right, and we're saving all the weight with this. With we're saving a lot of weight on the frame and the drum. I mean, the drum on the current push sticks like seventy pounds. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a, a monster. It's a monster. It's a monster. So, ah, that's sweet. So, kind of a combination of lightening up the frame, going with a a new technology on the on the motor there with yep. the aluminum gearbox, and not even have to go radically different. Like not stepping into servos yet. No, at this not point. not not yet. Yep. Right. Nice. Yeah, I like that. That sounds good. Um, so since you bring up the, it's going to be a shorter, like smaller diameter, longer drum. What are we going to do about fleet angle? Yeah. I mean, I, it would be awesome to make it zero fleet. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you and I have talked about it before. Yeah. Um, before this conversation, <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about it now, <laughs> um, but you know, obviously zero fleet. Zero Fleet is very nice because then you can just pop it down right at the end of your track and yeah. you just go to town. Right. So sweet, uh, right? Because yeah. you don't even have to worry anything at all about like, I don't, I got to get 10 feet away from my first right. set of mule blocks or something. And I got to cover all these. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Um, so it'd be nice to make it Zero Fleet. You know, it, it comes at a price though, obviously. It, right. It makes it, it, it's a trickier machine. To, yeah, more components. Yeah, more components was a trickier machine to design and then manufacture. Right, it's more of the manufacturing that's a big problem. Right, because um, obviously, like the zero, you designed a zero fleet hoist for the Royal Caribbean job yeah. that we were just talking about. Right, but that yeah. was like double the amount of componentry. Absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, and then uh, from an end user's perspective, it makes it more complicated to rig because that's now true. now you got all these moving parts and right. You got to make sure you rig the winch at the right spot. Right, that's yeah. right. Because the drum is like a typewriter carriage for anybody out there who's old enough to remember what a typewriter <laughs> carriage looks like. Can you explain that to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to make sure you're at the right end. Are you at the beginning of the sentence or the exactly. end of the sentence? The end of the sentence, right? Yeah, right. Right before you put that wire rope on. Yes. So, 
you know, I think at the end of the day, we'll probably end up with just a um, a traditional deck winch. Yep. And then we will release a zero fleet as a different as machine. As a different machine. Yeah, that makes right. a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, because the one thing that we really do still like about the push stick is a, it's very user friendly. I mean, other than breaking your back to get it off the pallet, um, <laughs> you don't need to put weights down. It, right. You don't, down think of all the money you're saving on lag screws. <laughs> um, but beyond that, uh, it it really is user friendly in the sense that it's so simple, right? Yeah. It's just like a spinning drum. Totally. If you look at it run for a few minutes, you'll get how you're, you're supposed to wrap your it. head around. Yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hopefully not literally wrapping your yeah, head around don't do it. That. But yeah, don't push. Don't never stick your head inside of a moving winch. Um, I tried that once. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It didn't work out well. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But the it's a great starter machine and still great for a lot of instances. But uh, having a separate kind of higher end model that's a zero fleet yep. makes make sense too. Yep. I, I can see where your head's at on that. Cool. And then what are we gonna do? Right now the push stick at the moment, I mean, you can run it with a stagehand pro. Yeah. Um, obviously it can pl- but the plugs and stuff on the current push stick are all set up for our older stagehand classic right. controller. The only right. stagehand pro ready machine that we sell is the Spotline it's hoist, spotline. right? Yeah. yeah. You know, and since we released the, the pro about two years ago, yeah. we've seen it gain a lot more traction. Right, uh, we see a lot. Of, a lot of people just buying the pros, just the pros, yeah, yeah. without spotlines. Uh, right, yeah. so I think where we, you know where we will end up is very similar to the spotline, where we have a junction box on the machine yep. that goes in and then it comes out with the connectors for the pro. Right, so like the motor, the brake, the encoder, the limits, the limits all go all into in. a junction box, and then we put on the right kind of connectors for Bingo. either a pro or a classic, depending on which the custom, right. which thing the customer wants. Maybe. Bingo. Yeah. And then, you know, if the classic wants to, I mean, if a customer wants to use the new push stick with the classic, then, we, then we'll have adapters that will go from the pro connectors to the classic. Oh, I see. Yep. yep. So rather than having two different junction boxes, have get it set up just for the pro and then you can I think have so. adapters. Yeah. 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 No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the pro is kind of the CJM pro is kind of the future of the product line. Right. So that makes sense. Right. So. Cool. Nice. Yeah, I'm jazzed about it, the new push ah, stick. So it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. It's like you said before. It's a, it's been a long time coming, and we we're super excited to get back to working on on that machine. And we got a, a few other machines in the pipeline, but that revisiting the foundation of the right. machinery product line is a is a great next step. So yeah, that's going to be awesome. Well, sweet. I think we're almost to 45 minutes here on our inaugural podcast. Yeah. But, uh, I think this has been great. Me too. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, folks, as we wrap up here, um, thanks for listening, of course. Yeah. Uh, and then if you've got any uh, feedback for us, things you like, don't like, wish we'd talk about, wish we wouldn't talk about, right. <laughs> uh, send us an email at podcast at creativeconnors.com. And then uh, check the website for show notes uh, for some of the links and stuff for the products that we've talked about today and uh, other little tips and tricks. Yeah. Until then, see you next time. See you next time. Thanks, guys.